Many kids are now out on summer vacation, and so I was thinking, Ben, where is the best place to get an ice cream cone? I don't know where. Sunday school. <laughs> Welcome to the Altered Podcast, where we honor God and the things he does. With your hosts, Hunter, Jessica, Ben, and Dina. Welcome to the Altered Podcast, where we honor God and the things that he does. Um, this was a podcast, and we'll see you later. Okay, bye. <laughs> what? <laughs> Honestly, it may be like that. It just depends on if our recording stuff will record or not. We've been having some, some issues. We're yeah. not going to put up a, like bad episode though no, but we just may have to put I up a short episode uh, okay so today it did have the intro before the intro which was nice Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. so today i'm sorry i'm trying not to be so blunt anymore good job bless your heart <laughs> i heard that <laughs> we, we did just talk a lot about bluntness and and tools in our toolbox the way we handle things being nice to each other being, and i was not i'm sorry well, so we're going to talk about what Ben needs to do now. Repent. Yes, that's uh, no. exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we'll be talking about repentance. Um, hopefully this isn't a, a longer episode where we've kind of talked about a lot of this stuff already, but we haven't had a podcast just strictly on repentance. So we want to talk about what this is, what does it do, what does it actually look like, what does true repentance look like, or yeah. what does this uh, um, short life change look like. Um, but before we get into that, we want to talk about what has God done for us this week. So, Ben, go first. Oh, man. So, okay. This is going to sound dumb, but I, I, have to, I have to throw it out there. So, we've been doing this thing at work, right, where we've been working on tearing down a section of our building. And we have, and I'd, I'd actually kind of mentioned this before, but what happened was um, we've been working on moving a fiber circuit and a phone line circuit. It's called a PRI circuit. It's what it's called. Actually, it's two circuits. A T1. Though. Anyway. Um, Nerd. So, uh, yeah, that's exactly what... God, that's what I do for a living. <laughs> so we've been working on getting this moved. Well, the thing about it is I've been so just nervous all the time for like the last month or two, ever since I found out we were actually going to do this thing again, because I knew that I had to move these circuits, but I thought there was no way to get AT&T to work this quickly. So I've been praying about it. Lord, I just need help. Lord, I just need help. Lord, I just need help. Um, well, we have a date scheduled. Hallelujah. It's going to be before the deadline happens. The Lord is good. Um, I'd actually prayed and I said, Lord, would you give me a birthday present and get this circuit moved? And he did. And he's been working on it. Like he's, he's been showing me how faithful he is this entire time. And I've just been panicked. And so, um, yeah, if, if I can have one more though, by the way, my birthday was this past week and my wife was super good to me. Um, she, uh, she took me out for a nice dinner. She, um, she was just, she was super, she was super nice. And we didn't do a lot for my birthday this year because I didn't want to. I wanted to just kind of spend time with her and stuff. And it was great. And so anyway, those are the things that God did for me this past week. Dina. Well, kind of, I have 1.5 things. And so the point five is that we made it to the end of the school year. Hallelujah. Today was the last day Praise the Lord. with the students. It felt really f like a fast year, but it also seemed extremely long. But that's another story for another day. And then um, 
also going along with Ben's birthday. So I thought that one day I would make him um, some sweet tea for dinner. And so I made my sweet tea just like I always do, did the things that I always do, but I pour it into a glass pitcher because, you know, I'm like plastics are bad or whatever. So I did the things that I always, 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 always have done. And as I'm pouring it into the pitcher and I'm getting ready to stir it, I hear a little tink sound and I'm like thinking in my head, hmm, that doesn't sound right. And the next thing I know, the whole jar explodes and my whole right leg is like red. Yeah, it was really scary. I'm in there like folding clothes in the bedroom and I hear, ah, and I'm like, what's happening so i run in and i'm like what 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 and she's like holding her pant leg like trying to like pull it away from yeah luckily i was wearing shorts so it only really burnt burnt like the top part of my leg where that pant leg was and so i'm holding it out because it's really really hot and he's like what do i do what do i do i said i need something cold and he's like what i think (laughs) no i think her words i think her words were my pants are so hot right now (laughs) and i'm like what are you talking about in a relationship they always say that there's one person that like moves really fast and then there's another person that panics ben's the panicker and i'm the one who moves really fast i think sometimes Mm, i can see that it does happen. It also helps when she says words that make sense. Not, my pants are really hot right now. That's what I was thinking. That doesn't make any sense to me. So, so yeah. So, um, we, like, you know, take care of the situation, and I uh, find some Neosporin, and I put that on. And so he has me sit down on the couch, and it was like burning like crazy and I was like gosh and I was like the only thing that's going to get me through this is prayer because I've also backed into my mom's pressure canner before and gave myself a second degree burn on my arm so it wasn't my first rodeo getting burnt by something in the kitchen so I've also picked a pan up out of the oven without a glove on but (laughs) that one didn't bother me and then um that one didn't bother me (laughs) I don't know cool (laughs) magic hands I guess and then um so I I put on Facebook that what had happened, and I mean, like I said, my leg was red, but as people were talking on Facebook and somebody would say, hey, I'm praying for you, hey, I'm praying for you, I mean, no joke, it would be like a shade lighter, and so by the next morning, which I was really nervous, which luckily it's the last week of school, so I was like, maybe I might be able to get away with like sweatpants or like a softer pant instead of my dress pants, and I woke up the next morning and... I mean, it was a little tender, but it wasn't sore. And like no where, burn, really. Like you. Could yeah, I mean, see I have like three like marks. Yeah. But, but I mean, it was like it was yeah. the size of my fist at least. The night oh yeah, before. and it was blistering. Yeah, next day, huh. good to go. So, yeah. So that's what God did for me is He healed me. So yeah, I thought He gave you magical pants. Uh. No, <laughs> that's what burned me. <laughs> It led to the burning. It didn't burn me. Yeah, that 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 jar, man, it came apart. I mean, what, just, why did it break? Do we know? It it looked like I think that it. I think it was like where, I mean, don't they just do that? In I one? think over time, I think where it heated up so much, it ha- it wasn't. It didn't bust. Like I've seen things break when it's it, like the whole bottom came off. Yeah, it, it literally was like it, there's like the seam where the bottom's at, yeah. and there was just right above that. It's like it just let go. Well. Yeah, so this week has been kind of uneventful, other than just in uh, Bible study and prayer time. You just get that 
Uh, sometimes we are not uh, thankful enough for just the simple thing of salvation, right? We're just not, um, we're not in that mindset. We're always about, hey, God, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? Can you help me with this? Not, not, not going towards yours, Ben. <laughs> we're saying like always asking for something, and that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying it's about the uh, point of being uh, just thankful for salvation. Like, hey, this is this is a, enough. Um, not saying that you can't ask for things is what I was getting at. Like oh. you're saying, hey, for my, can you help me at work here or whatnot? But when you get into the mindset of doing that all the time, like that's kind of like an American mindset. Hey, how can you help me? How can you help me? Well, it's just been put, drilled into my head this week just from Proverbs to going through Hebrews. Hey, my salvation's enough, you know, mm-hmm. and, if, and just realizing and reconciling with God. If he never does anything else for me, I am a blessed man just because mm-hmm. he, he, I've received salvation. Yeah. Um, it's a good place to be. Yeah. And so it's just, it's just a nice reminder and almost a repentful, again, we're talking about repent today. Um, I had to have repent just for kind of the mindset of not being in that. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, if you, if you don't do this, like I'm still going to pray and ask cause the Bible says, you know, seek and pray and, you know, send out your requests, but we want to be, uh, I want to be just grateful for the little things. Or, or the most basic, mm. you know, not not just expecting always more. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Well, Lord's been good to all of us, which is cool. We're on the road to three thousand now. We, we are two thousand listens. Um, so now we're on the road to three thousand listens. I don't know where we are on unique listeners. Has anybody seen that? No. Because we're uh, shooting for a hundred. Oh. Um. Well, on, it's on the last week of school, so no, I've not paid attention to that. Yeah, no, I haven't either. But, hey, you should invite your friends to listen to the Ultra Podcast if you like what you're listening to. It never hurts to invite more people to check it out. And then we can have ads back, and then we can, you know, hopefully make a little bit of money so we can pay for podcasting equipment. I'm sure that's what they want to listen to is another ad. Computers. And, hey. <laughs> they're going to tell their friends, please don't listen. <laughs> or they're going to be like, I love the Ultra Podcast, and I want them to have an ad back. It just depends on, like, what you do. Like, there's some podcasts that have 100 listeners. Mm-hmm. There's some podcasts that have, like, 10 listeners. And so it just it varies back and forth about what we actually have. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so... I get it. You know, whenever I scroll through like the Bible project, right? I don't listen to everything or always their newest ones. I listen to the one that I want to listen to. Interest you the most. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I was going to say they have so much more content than we do and they do, but we have quite a bit of content. Well, I mean, we've been doing this for almost a year. We have, we're on episode 45. I mean, that's quite a bit of content. So I get it. I get it. We're seeing that we're starting to see some of the early ones research. And I'm like, man, I was like, if, what really stinks is that like we don't have some of those don't have the uh, theme song. They don't have the the editing software that we have. Yeah. Uh, sadly, some of them have an intro before the intro. I mean, so just. <laughs> yeah. We had talked about going back and trying to remaster some. We might want to look into that maybe one of these days. It, it would. Yeah. We have the archives of them. We could do it. it if, right now, it's just the listens for Spotify and all that good stuff where we have so, where we're not like big. It would be different if we had thousands of listeners. True. You wouldn't care about losing the 100. Yeah. But some of our biggest podcasts are at the beginning. Well, and that's true. So obviously it doesn't hurt us too bad because people are going back and listening to us. That's true. So. so Bible time. Roll that beautiful bean footage. So today we're talking about, <laughs> that's right, we're talking about living that Christian life. We're resurging that theme. We haven't done one of these in a while, which is kind of cool. You know, these were originally kind of meant for um, the person that's early in the Christian walk or maybe um, just doesn't quite know all the things of the Christian walk. Well, we are talking about a theme today that is central to 
the Christian walk, and it is repentance. And, you know, most people would say, well, Ben, I regret the things that I've done. But is that true repentance? Uh, some people would say, well, why would you emphasize repentance? It's not, and I've, I've heard people say this, it's not repentance, it saves me because that's a work. And though that, go ahead. What? Oh, I was going to say, for those that have no idea what you're talking about when you say repentance, what is repentance? So repentance, good question. So repentance is, um, it is a turning of your um, self from a certain set of ways or beliefs. And so some people would say, why would you emphasize that, right? I thought that faith in Jesus was the thing that saves us, and it is. But the biggest reason why we emphasize repentance, the thing, the reason why we're talking about it today is because what we see in Scripture is that Jesus emphasizes repentance as well. Mm. Um, and so, Dina, you've got Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Would you read that for us? So real quick, though, uh, anytime you see repentance in the Scripture, it means metanoia, right? Uh, that's the word. Yeah, it is. The, that's the Greek word, yeah. Um, which means a literal 180-degree turn. Um, repentance, the word repentance is actually French, and it means... Repentance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, That's and it, the it, only it, way he says French words. <laughs> pretty much. Oh, gosh. Uh, the, the look in his eye, he was like, he was going for it. Repentance. It's that French brand. <laughs> so the... Um, that was where the word sorrow comes in. Like we start seeing more sorry uh, coming from from repentance. Um, but metanoia is not about repentance. It's about stop it. <laughs> well, it's not about being sorry, you mean? Right. That's what I'm saying. It's not about about sorrow in a sense or sorry. Yeah, being sorry. It's about stop it and don't do it again. Yeah. Knowing it's bad, don't do it again. Yeah. So, Dina, read Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 for us, please. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So Jesus emphasizes it. He says, repent, number one, and believe in the gospel. So it is something that Jesus emphasizes. Therefore, we emphasize it as well. Luke and 20. so just to be clear, too, we're talking about repentance from our old life before we knew Jesus, right? Yes, but I also think you can repent of works that you do in this new Christian life as well. Like there is an element of repentance even now from things that I've done that, you know, tell a lie. I'm going to repent. I'm not just going to be sorry about it. I'm going to repent and I'm going to change my ways. So I was just about to ask that question and we can elaborate a little bit more, I guess. Is repentance a one-time act? Mm. And so I would say no. I think that repentance is a... So you have teachers like Joseph Prince out there who would say that you were saved for your sins in the past, present, and future. So repentance is a one-time act. Mm. Do you ever see, and, and that's something we'll have to look at, do we ever see in Scripture where people repent? Or are the people of God ever commanded to repent as they are the people of God? And the answer is yes. I would ask if, are you are you still sinning? You know what I'm saying? If you sin, then repentance is needed. Yeah. Um, because if not, I mean, then you have a John, First John chapter three moment, right? You keep you keep on sinning, and the light of God is not in you. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a worrisome to me, where it's like, no, repentance is not. Begin saying, "Hey God, I'm sorry for what I've done." You know, it's it's no, it's stop it, and I'm not doing it anymore. So we can't continue on sinning. I think it's one of those things where we should keep self-assessing and self-checking ourselves to make sure that we're doing what we should be doing because we're not perfect. Yeah. And so I don't know, I'd be worried about somebody that's not self-checking themselves. Yeah. Well, and hopefully the Holy Spirit's going, hey, 
Hey, you should probably you should probably repent of this. And thing, I right? get what what they say is that Christ died for your sins in the past, the present, and the future. I understand. Like I get what they're saying. They're yeah. like, so you don't need to to be burned down by your sins in the future. No, yeah. it's not something to be you know completely caught up in, but something you should be aware of. Yeah, like, and yeah, I think you, that you should be bedridden with grief, but you should be in the sense of like, hey. Um, Lord, I need, I need help to stop some stop some of these sins because you know new sins come about or sins that you didn't realize were sins come up. That's part of sanctification, right? Mm-hmm. That hey, I didn't realize that this was a sin, but now I need to stop it, and yeah. I'm, the only way I can stop it is with your help. Yeah. Well, and I do think that there are times in the Christian life where you do things, and it's not even that you don't realize that it's a sin; you just don't realize that that sin is in you and has gripped you, and then all of a sudden you go, "Wait a minute, I have done this thing multiple, multiple times now," you know. And I think that there's a time where you just, you go, Lord, I need to repent of this thing. So you do. Um, you not only are sorry for your actions, but your actions reflect that and you turn from your wicked ways. What's Luke say? And so Luke 24 says, and he said to them, thus it's written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So what we see is that it's an integral part of the early gospel, the thing that's preached to people. Um, is that Jesus died um, and that for repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. So it's, it's key. It's key to the gospel. It's not something that we just um, tack on when we feel like it, but it's something that we should do because it's important. Now, <clears throat> in the notes, I actually have a thing about Acts chapter 9 and, and Paul and some stuff. But if you don't mind, let's actually skip to the end. Um, I've got this thing from uh, Logos.com. If you don't know what Logos is, it's a it's a Bible cloud-based Bible software out there. You can find lots of good stuff. They have some articles and some things. And I found this article talking about repentance on Logos.com. Logos actually says there's no Hebrew word that's an exact equivalent for the English term of repentance. Um, repentance <laughs> uh, was expressed by a number of different actions that show a change in thinking and attitude towards sin and God. Repentance may be demonstrated by, for instance, a public display of mourning over sins, such as weeping in Ezra 10.1, tearing the garments. You hear about that in the Old Testament especially. Um, Ezra 9.3 talks about that, to, to rent your garments. Um, wearing sackcloth and ashes, you hear about that in many different places. Joel's one of them. Jonah. Uh, Jonah, yep. Um, you hear uh, about making restitution for wrongs committed in like First Chronicles and in Exodus. Even in the Old Testament law, there was this whole thing. I've just been reading about that where, you know, if your animal gores another animal to death, you're supposed to pay the amount for the animal plus, um, not just the amount, but you're supposed to pay over and above the amount, like it's extra 20%. Um, there's... Um, abasing yourself before the party that you've wronged. That's Genesis 33. Um, you know, and the Hebrew word that most closely approximates repent or repentance um, actually would more be translated in English as return um, or to turn. And it basically means to turn around and go in the opposite direction like we've been talking about. So um, this finishes out and it says, in theological context, the implication is to turn from a road characterized by rebellion toward God and to a road characterized by obedience to God. The emphasis is upon actions that necessarily proceed from turning one's orientation toward God. And so though there isn't a Hebrew word for repentance, um, it gives us a couple of like Old Testament passages. And so Dina, would you read Second Chronicles seven fourteen for me? 
Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and will pray and will seek my face and will turn from their evil ways, then I myself shall hear from the heavens and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, um, if you want to look at a passage that is to believers that talks about repentance, I think Second Chronicles seven fourteen. I think there's no better one than that. That's the one, um, you know, the, the, the Israelite people, they're in the middle of open rebellion, and this is the thing that God says. Um, Hunter, you want to read Ezekiel 18, just like the little first couple of sentences there for me? Just let me know when to stop. All right. But if the wicked returns from all of, <clears throat> of all of his sin that he has done, and he keeps all of my stat, uh, stat, stat, statutes. All of his statutes, yeah. <laughs> and he does justice and righteousness, and he shall surely live. He shall not die. So that right there, he shall surely live and he shall not die. So the first part there talks about if the wicked returns from all of his sin that he's done and he keeps the statute. So it's definitely very much action. Sorry, continue. All of his transgressions that he committed will not be uh, remembered against him. Through his righteousness that he has done, he shall live. Have I delight by any means in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord, and not at his turning from uh, his way so that he lives? Yeah, so that's the big thing there. What you see is that the Lord's saying, I have more delight in the fact that the wicked turns than in punishing the wicked person. Right. Um, and so, yeah, repentance is one of those things that is very much, um, very much about action. And not just sorrow. A lot of people, and, and you know what's funny about it is I've heard people say, um, yeah, I sinned and I feel really bad for it. And you're like, okay, now what? Well, and I do it tomorrow. And then I do it tomorrow and then I do it again. Well, that's not repentance. That's just being sorry. And being that's sorry. That's acknowledging that you know about it, but that's not repenting. Honestly, that's, a little, that's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. it is. Because um, you're saying, listen, I know this is bad, but I'm going to continue to do it on anyway. And that would... Again, First John chapter three would tell us that it's possible that you may not even be saved in the long run if this mm -hmm. keeps on happening. Yeah, yeah. Be be cautious that you're not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Which, yeah, that's a big deal. And so um, we see in the scriptures that the the repentant act um, it can lead you know have godly sorrow involved, but godly sorrow is made to what lead you to repentance. And the big thing I have I think is important here is like. There's, we can, we can say repentance in a worldly realm, you know, like I quit smoking or I quit drinking pop, right? Things like that. Like I, I went from one action to, to completely not doing it. Mm. And those actions I can probably do by myself, but sinful, like me going from sinning to not sinning is an only an act that can be done by the grace of God. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not something that you can say, I'm going to do this on my own merit and then be able to take all the credit for you will not be able to do that that's why you have to lean and trust on god to do this it is yeah. but it is a, a gift and by his grace that you'll be able to do it yeah i was actually reading an article about that today it was talking about um uh, addiction and how you know the the a lot of times the reason why the addict either never gets out or falls back into his old ways is because the addict doesn't place their trust in God. They place their trust in themselves and the self will always fail you. The, you know, the, the Bible talks about the heart of man is deceitful above all things. Um, 
And so this, this whole article, um, was talking about how in order to truly get out of any addiction, whatever it is, um, you have to completely put all your trust on God and stop striving and start trusting. It was, it was really good. Um, so let's look at two practical, um, Bible stories that will kind of help us with this whole repentance and action and all that kind of stuff. So Dina, we have Acts chapter nine. What is the story of Acts chapter nine? It talks about who? Jesus. <laughs> talks about, well, so it talks about Saul, who is Paul, but it's going to say Saul a bunch. Don't be confused by Saul. Saul is Paul. Um, <laughs> and, oh, gosh. Y'all. <laughs> so, Dina. But Paul's not Saul. But y'all. <laughs> y'all. Hallelujah. All right, give me some give me some words from the Bible. All right, do you want me to start in verse one? Yeah. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Pause right there for just a second. What does it mean that he's breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord? I thought Paul was a man of Jesus. The look on your face when you said that was ridiculous. <laughs> but I did. Why is it? So why? Saul was notoriously known. He was a Pharisee, uh-huh. uh, what we believe to be a high-ranking Pharisee. Yeah. And he went out to persecute believers in Jesus, of Jesus Christ. He went to have, by orders of having them killed. But I thought he wrote the large majority of the New Testament. He was Saul a Christian. did not. That's why I said Paul is not Saul. Uh, but hmm. because... It's a, it's a transformation. This was before his salvation. But it's the same guy. It's the same dude. He just not saved yet. Not saved. Unsaved Paul. Unsaved Paul. BC before Christ. That's right. So he it says that he if he found any belonging to the way, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. What is the way? <laughs> this is the way. This is the way. <laughs> I've spoken. <laughs> We're talking about Jesus. Hunter's laughing. He's like, I don't know. We're talking about being a Christian. Anyway, I just, I felt like we had to clarify just a couple of things. Just give you a little historical, his historical, historical. a little historical <laughs> background. It is, it is 1117 at night it when is. we're recording this. It is historical background. <laughs> All right, Dina, give me some more. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. So. You me keep going? Okay, hang on. <laughs> hang on. <clears throat> so what you see is that the men that were with him heard this thing. Now, I don't know. Maybe this was just bad teaching. But I always thought, I thought I'd been taught that this was a vision that Paul had. But it can't just be a vision in his own head because other people heard it. And it blinded him, so it can't just be a vision. And it, Yeah, and it blinded him. So, yeah, physical event happens now. He's been persecuting and killing Christians. And he, let's see, it says a a light from heaven shone around him. And then he hears a voice and he speaks to the voice. And he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. So could you just imagine? (laughs) Like, like, 
uh, you're who? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I messed up. I, yeah, I thought I thought you was dead. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, just like that. Um, yeah. So he tells him, "Rise, enter the city, and you will be told what you're to do." Well, let's just read on and let's see what what old Saul slash Paul. Y'all does. <laughs> Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarshish named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so he might regain his sight. Okay, so stop right there for just a second. So we had this dude named Ananias, and the Lord speaks to Ananias, says to him, now Ananias does see in a vision. The Lord speak to him and say, go pray for this dude named Paul, named Saul, sorry. Um, for behold, he is praying and he's seen you in a vision. If you're Ananias, how do you feel about that? I don't, I don't know. Dina, you're Ananias. How do you feel about that? Blindsided. (laughs) You so funny. (laughs) I'll tell you, if I'm Ananias, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a little leery, right? I'm going to be a little leery. Because remember at the beginning where it says he's still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord? Ananias is one of those disciples of the Lord. Saul would have been hunting Ananias. And it was very well known. Saul is coming to kill you. Yes. Like, because later on in Acts, right, it's like, isn't this the dude who was trying to kill everybody? Like, that's why it was so renowned. Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. It was so renowned when Paul got saved. Yeah. It's like, whoa, hold on a second. Number one draft pick alert. Yep. Like, yep. So let's just read the next verse and it'll tell us a little bit more. Dina, tell us, but Ananias what? But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. So he's a chosen instrument of mine. Yes. You can look at me like that all you want to. I know. Um, He is a chosen instrument. Yes. Um, The Lord saves all of the elect and then he elects some more. Exactly. Um, But anyway, I, somebody said it just exploded in the reformed world. Um, <laughs> but the point is, Ananias does bring his protest before the Lord. He says, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. It's just, it's so, this story, we've been talking about Jonah a lot lately because we're looking at Jonah in church right now, right? Uh, we just had a sermon last week about Jonah. We're about to have two more sermons about Jonah <clears throat> we've been talking a lot about Jonah as a as an elder team and all this stuff. And when I look at this, I think I can't help but think about Jonah just a little bit. 
You have Ananias who protests before the Lord. But what about this dude? I thought he's been doing all kinds of evil against your saints, right? Um, but God just says, go. And just, he goes. Just do it. What does Jonah do in the story of Jonah, though? Anybody know? Anybody know? He just doesn't do it. He, he <laughs> yes. He just doesn't do it. Um, he is the opposite of Nike. I was going to say, he was anti-Nike. Yeah. I mean, anti-Nike was cool. <laughs> he was, He's like, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, He turned that swoosh upside uh, down, and he ran as far as he could. Got on a boat literally to go, this is Jonah, to the other side of the known world. He's going to Spain. He was going to get out of Dodge. He's like, God will never go to Spain. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Adios. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's exactly what happens. And he gets on the, on the boat and off he go. But, of course, what happens in the story of Jonah, there's a storm. It's real bad. We could go into all that, but we basically will give you a short story. Um, they, they push him off. Bye. Yeah, well, yeah, they draw lots. He walks the plank. Yeah. <laughs> they draw lots. The plank. <laughs> they they draw lots, and it turns out that Jonah's the one that's responsible for this thing. So they're like, Jonah, what do you do? And I think Jonah basically says, like, I'm a prophet of the living God. And they're like, Oh. <laughs> and I'm running. They look around. They're like, One of these things just doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So the short of the story is, Jonah says, Throw me overboard. They say no. He says yes. They throw him overboard. <laughs> He gets. <laughs> Let's just try it. <laughs> he gets eaten. Uh, they even say, like, please don't hold this man's blood against this. Did ah. they get to see him get eaten by the whale? I doubt it. No, because uh, it says that he was sinking to the uh, bottom of the sea. Like, uh, they wouldn't see that. Which, if you've ever been, like, taking a swimming lesson, if he's sinking, more than likely he's panicking and flailing his arms and legs about as he's being tossed about. Well, he's drowning. Yeah. Like he's in the, he's actively drowning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no two ways about it. When you read the, the prayer of Jonah in Jonah chapter three, Jonah chapter two, sorry, it's two, right? Mm -hmm. Jonah chapter two, um, Jonah says like, I was at the point of death and I cried out to the Lord and he answered me. Um, and so Jonah gets eaten by a fish, vomited back up on land. And what does Jonah do? He does what the Lord tells him to do. God calls him again. He yes. says, hey, Jonah, uh, let's, let's try this one more time. Gives him the exact same call that he gave him at the very beginning of Jonah. Go to Nineveh, tell him this. Yes, that in three days you will be destroyed. He doesn't tell him to repent. He just says, go into Nineveh, tell him in three days, destruction's coming. And he does. He walks like a day's journey into Nineveh, proclaiming in three days this place is going to be destroyed. 40 days. 40 days. I'm sorry, 40 days this place is going to be destroyed. Then what happened? I'm thinking three days because yeah. he was in the belly of the f right, right, right. fish. Three days. Yes, he was. Three nights, yes. Um, <clears throat> and so it happens, right? Now, you look at Jonah, and at the end of the book of Jonah, but Jonah goes, oh, I'm so sad. I'm so angry about this. I'm so mad, God, I could die. And then he's like, well, I, was just, I could die. And man, like, what does he say? Like, was Kermit the Frog? <laughs> like from Eastern Kentucky. Because Jonah's an idiot, that's why. Stupid sheep. Um, but yeah, it's so, man, we were talking about this, and I kind of, I have this, this wonderance. It makes me wonder sometimes if Jonah was saved because of his attitude towards people and his 
honestly what I believe is his non-repentant nature. Do we not do the same thing in regard in times though? But we do. You're absolutely right. And and I don't Just know not on the level that Jonah does. But we also probably haven't suffered the same things that Jonah has because more than likely the Ninevites killed his family or part of his family. Like it's a big deal. And if somebody killed my family, I would not be so willing to forgive them. Yeah, like if my neighbor tried to kill, like killed my wife and children, I'd probably set their house on fire and not say, "Hey, repent." Oh yeah, I'd pull a John Wick on them, right? <laughs> like I wouldn't be so lovey dovey. Let's be Pastor Ben right now. But what you see about Ananias is Ananias is not that way. He's not that way at all. Um, like, all right. Yeah, Ananias. See, but we see this in Scripture that we see the people who are more easygoing. We know the people like this in our life. They're more easygoing. And then you have the wise, the, the people who always why everything. <laughs> my, my child is this way. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Well, in, in her defense, there is a point in the developmental process where every child goes through the why phase. I still want to kick her in the throat, but that's beside the point. Yeah, but I mean, too, you're answering, you're you're literally forming the connections out in her brain. Everything in the world. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you're but you know, you're doing, the, uh, you're doing good. The uh, there's there's people like that still today though. It's like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? It's like, can you not just trust the process? Yeah. Like. Yep. If I'm telling you this, you would think you would understand that I have your best interest at heart. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so the Lord says, go, for he's a chosen instrument of mine. We can talk about the fact that he's a chosen instrument in a second. Um, but he says that he will show him how much he has to suffer for the sake of the name of God. And so Ananias departs and enters the house, and laying his hands on him, he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. Obedience. Obedience. So yep. you went from you went from you went from rebellion to instant rebe- obedience. Yeah, that, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, so you see the the repentance of Paul there, um, and if you keep reading the story, you really see the repentance of Paul, because the very next thing that Paul does is he goes to the synagogues, and it says for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. This is verse 19. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, is is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Paul, but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. You know, Galatians 2 talks even more about Paul's conversion, even going on to how he studied with, like, the Holy Spirit. You know, like, mm-hmm. Christ, the, well, Christ actually came and was teaching him uh, just for, like, three years, I think it was. Yeah, he said he, like, went out to the wilderness, and he didn't go see any of the, like, the bigwig guy Christians. He, like, went off by himself and studied with the Holy Spirit. Right, and then and then he went to Peter to see if the, the gospel that was given to him by the Holy Spirit was the same gospel that he was preaching, and it, yeah. it, it matched, and things like that. So there's a lot of things that really proves Paul's repentance. Um, what's interesting here to me is that Paul is just like, listen, instant obedience. It is, this, it is re- repent, I repent, hey, yes, I did these things. Let's move on. Yeah. You know, but this scripture right here, just kind of a, a side note, is one of the reasons why whenever we're talking about the thorns in his flesh that he's asking God to remove, I could go along with a theory of it being the torment of knowing what he's done to past Christians. Um, if you watch the, the Apostle Paul movie, that is what the devil afflicts him with, mm. is like nightmares and things like that of 
hmm. old Christians that he's killed. I could see that from like a text like this, mm-hmm. not just his like eyesight <clears throat> or something. Yeah, yeah. You, you always hear about his eyesight because, you know, like he has the scales thing, and then later on, like you know, he'll be like, then you you can see how big a letter I write in my own hand because like he can't see. So like or you would say, or some people say his public speaking skills because he's not known to be a, a fluent public speaker. Um, but I would say that this probably to me is one of the things that makes the most sense. He is probably truly grieving what he's done. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Cause I've heard people say that too, but man, read his address to like the, uh, what is the Areopagus or whatever, where he's in um, Athens and he's talking about like, there's a statue to an unknown God and all that stuff. Like he's pretty articulate. Like he argues with like, uh, well, I mean, he does in writing, uh, and that's the thing. So it's like people. But I mean, he's he's talking openly, like he talks to the people in Damascus and proves that Jesus is the Christ. You know, well, sure. And it says that um, I'm sure Paul's un like uh, not being able to speak is like our best uh, speaker today. He's, well, I mean, but people say that, but I think I mean Paul even says like there are times when he's more gentle and more lowly for the sake of the hearers, like in First Corinthians, for instance. But he's not always that way. And I think that there are times when Paul really brings it. And I think we just don't quite understand that sometimes. Like, it, it really sounds like Paul can, like it says right here that he confounded um, the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Like, right. you know, I mean, maybe he stuttered the whole time. I don't know. Just but Saved three days and already a master apologist. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, man. Yeah. I mean, when you know the scriptures, like when you had to memorize literally all of them, I mean, you, you probably have some stuff there. Um, you got some ammo to pull. But anyway, it's just, it's interesting to me because, you know, we've been talking so much about Jonah and you see Jonah who one could argue may not be as repentant as you think. Now he does repent in the belly of the fish and he does get up and go to Nineveh and preach. But right after that, he goes out and he sits under a plant and he builds himself a little booth, I think is what it says, or tent or whatever you want to call that thing. And he just has him a little pout pout party. He's a pout pout fish. And he's going to sit out there and he's going to tell God all about it. Yeah, I can't believe you did this. I knew that if I went to Nineveh, they would, you would relent and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And God's like. <sighs> and and what, does, what does the book of Jonah, what's the last, literally the last statement? It's a question, right? Like, are you right, you know, that you would uh, be mad that I saved, I can't remember, he says, like, more than 100,000 people plus sheep and goats or something like that. You know why there's no answer to that? Because it shut him up. (laughs) It should have. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You know, it's like, be a Job, Jonah. (laughs) Okay? Get over it. Yeah. Like, you lost everything. Like, that's where I would, like, want God to be, like, to to pull Job. Yeah. And it's not not giving boils. (laughs) Don't (laughs) care. But say, who do you think you are? Yeah. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. Like, that's where I was like, this is a perfect time for it. Yeah. Well, and and Job does have his own pity party. Um, And I would argue that Job is repentant. Because he does. He does get really... At one point, Job kind of toes this line of, like, he's really mad at God because God, it seems, blesses the wicked. And he's going through all this because, and he knows he's righteous. Um, there is a level of repentance in Job that you see. Um, you see him more mad at his friends, though, for thinking that he has sinned than I think than you do it. Yeah, I mean, he God. he justifies himself quite a bit, but at yeah. the end of it, you know, God very openly rebukes Job. Yeah, from ch- from it's like chapter forty on, you he's like, Rawr! I mean, yeah, some of the main questions of Job are to Job. Oh, yeah. I mean, for two chapters, he really rails on him. You know, he talks about the fire-breathing dragon. You know, I made that thing, and where were you? And, you know. Like, the fire-breathing dragon is my kitty cat. Yeah, like, I, that, honestly, that's basically what he says. Like, And so Job repents. 
you know? And so that's what we should see in the life of every Christian, right? And so, and just like uh, Paul, well, you're saying, okay, well, like we was talking earlier, he's like, I don't know if Paul actually repent, like there's a repentance in the story, like we see him do this. I'm like, well, we do. We see a life change. Yeah. Um, Second Corinthians. We see the fruit of his repentance very quickly. Yes. And, And sometimes it's not so immediate like that. We always expect say a salvation to be so immediate, you know, we learn from guys at church like John who just salvation is not always immediate. That that seed sprouts and questions are built and then finally it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a big shift after that. But Second Corinthians seven nine says <clears throat> Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because you were uh, because your sorrow led you to repentance. So keep that in mind. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Mm -hmm. So it's like, hey, listen, repentance is not just being sorry, right? There's, or being, yeah, well, not being sorrowful, uh, but that leads you to repentance, you know, having some set of guilt in your in your gut leads you to be repentant eventually. It's a different type of sad. Like, worldly sorrow, when you think of it, is super sad and leads to death, probably depression, all kinds of other stuff. But where feeling sorry for repentance, it says, leaves no regret. So you're not going to be anxious about the things that you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and with that, with the life change is going to come, like you said, a lack of, of regret, a lack of that, you know, worldly sorrow, the thing about worldly sorrow and it bringing you to death, you can still be sorry all day long, but it doesn't mean that you're any more right before God, you know? Um, so, yeah. So I want to go to uh, uh, Romans five, my favorite book. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and he says, uh, where's that oh I'm in Acts 5 that's probably why yeah uh, two different books <laughs> I know well, while you're doing that I so, will say you, oh, oh go ahead okay, so it says therefore as one trespass led to condemnation for all men so one act of righteousness led to justification and life for all men for as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that all, as sin reigned in death, grace also made reign or might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ. Chapter six. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. This is what repentance does. We don't stay in sin to say grace can even more abound. We, we can't stay in sin. Paul's saying here is that you cannot be spiritually fat sitting on your couch eating spiritual Cheetos all day. You actually have to move on. You have to re- repent. You have to move on from sin and live on in Christ and be in him. I love spiritual Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Man, they're so good. Spiritual Funyuns. Oh, <laughs> Spiritual Cheesecake. Lord. So anyway, repentance, yes, is a choice that is really seen in your long-term actions. Spiritual Cheesecake. Spiritual <laughs> Buddy. Dina made me a physical cheesecake this week. Oh, it was delicious. But anyway, I digress. Matthew 21, 32 does so finish say. your statement, though. Repentance is a choice that is really seen in long-term In action. your long-term action. It is something that... Repentance is not just sorrow, as Dina was saying. It is something that you see a life change with. It's something that you see the fruit of your repentance in. Otherwise, I would argue you're not truly repentant. Which is why I read Romans 5 and 6. Yes. Is that you have, because you, there's a reason you repented. Yeah. You didn't live on in sin so that God's grace can even more abound. No, you, you left sin so that you could be new in Christ. Yeah. You put on the new self. Yeah. Yeah. And so now. We say all that to say, if there is a sin in your life that you are struggling with, you should stop it. You should. But you don't stop it by striving. We talked about this earlier. You stop it by giving it to the Lord and help, letting him help you through it. Um, that's what Christian community is for. You know, which I know. To encourage each other. Right. Yeah. I know confessing sin is hard to people, especially a close friend group. But Christians can't really be prideful. Mm-hmm. That's That's the point. So you have to move this along so they can help you. Hey, how are you doing in this? And yeah, that's, it creates a little rockiness for a minute, but it'll get you through it. And then making that a safe space as well and not sharing everybody's juicy gossip with Mm. everybody. Like that's not protecting someone. Yep. Did you read Matthew 21? Not yet. Okay. (laughs) So Matthew 21, 32, uh, it does go along these lines. It says, For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. Talking about John the Baptist there. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Right. So there is an element of life change that, in this case, they did not see. Um, In Isaiah 30, verse 15, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength but you would have none of it. Now, what Isaiah is doing is he's prophesying to a people who were in open rebellion against the Lord. They were in open sin. And it's interesting that this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. Notice it doesn't say in repentance and striving. In repentance and saying that, uh, what is it called? The Hail Marys or whatever, the stuff. You know what I mean? Like the penitent it, or whatever. Penitent. Yeah, the, yeah in, in, in repentance and penitence. It says, no, it says in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. And I think that's a big key and a big secret um, to that whole beating sin thing. Um, <clears throat> I have a tendency to, to do the American thing where I try to, uh, pull myself up by my own merits and by your bootstraps. By my bootstraps, that's right. Um, I can't even tie my shoes, let alone <laughs> let alone try to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Um, but I do, and what I see is is I always fail. Always. Um, you would think that we would learn the lesson, but yeah. we never do. Yeah, it's the definition of insanity that we do the exact same thing, expecting a different result. Definition of stupid sheep. Yep, it is. But um, what I find is that the times when I'm the most successful with any of it is when I turn something over to the Lord and I ask him for help. Um, what is that saying? When, when I'm working, God's resting, when God's, uh, 
when I'm resting, God's, God's working. working yeah. yeah, I don't know if, where that's at in the Bible, but I've always just heard that. I don't know if that's is that, a is Bible that a Kentuckyism. Verse. Yeah, I think that's more. Yeah, more Kentuckyism. But at, at the same time, I think it you know it has some wisdom there. Um, and I guess this is probably more my last ten percent for myself is um, what I see is that human regulation doesn't help me. Um, the Holy Spirit does, mm-hmm. and and God's leading does, and. Um, when I ask him for help, he helps. And so if there's one thing I know, it's that when I ask for wisdom, the Bible says he'll give it to me. When I ask for the Holy Spirit, he'll give it to me. Um, when you ask for help in repentance, he'll help you. Yeah, he'll repent. help you. And that's what Isaiah teaches. And so that's for me, that's kind of where it ends is, is repentance is really, really important. Um, but it doesn't mean that you have to strive to be better. It means you have to give it all to God and let him keep it. Because there are times when you give things to God and then you want to take it back and you have to just leave it with him. Dana, last 10%. So my last 10% is just um, us all acknowledging that we have repented of things ourselves, obviously. And um, I don't know, just make sure you're, like I said earlier, like doing the self-check and saying, am I being the person that God wants me to be right now? Is there something that I need to change? And that's why it's also important to be reading your Bible every day or at least every other day, or maybe you're just a once a week right now. Let's try to strive for like two times a week. Well, the statistics <laughs> but, would make me say, if you just read it once a year at this point, you do better than like five percent, 95% I mean, of Christians. That's going to help you to check yourself, you know, and to go through and see like, what is God showing me that I need to do to, you know, proclaim his name and to be a better person for, to help everybody else out. So. Cool. You are saved by grace through faith. Not by works. <laughs> so that no man may boast. So it is not repentance, repenting on your own merit. It is repenting on the merit of Christ. And that is the thing is that, well, that's how you repent is that you say, listen, I can't do this alone, but mm-hmm. through your um, grace and mercy that I can get through this. Um, so at the end of that, it is just knowing and relying on myself is going to, like Ben said, is going to make me fail, but relying on Christ is where I'm made strong. And so through my weakness, he is made strong, right? So <clears throat> that is a, a big one, in my opinion. And then just knowing too is that repentance is necessary for the Christian in life, you know, so the thought process, um, my grandfather actually will disagrees with me on this, Ben. Uh, he's talking about repentance as a Christian, you know, um, but it is a, to me, it's a thought process. Like, like we were just talking there, I can be too blunt, right? This is something that I've been convicted about. Like, I know this about myself. Um, I'm trying to not be so, uh, sharp around the edges. I'm trying to round off the edges. Um, and that is called repent. Like when you start doing this and you start making a move changes, that's called repentance or repenting for the conviction that you have on your heart. That's how you know you're still in with the Holy Spirit. So, <clears throat> yep. what do you got? Um, Bible verse came to mind while you were talking. It's Ezekiel 11, uh, Ezekiel 11, verse 18. So actually, well, I'll start in 17. It says, therefore says, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the, from the peoples 
and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered. He's talking to the nation of Israel. They've fallen into sin and open rebellion against the Lord, and he has scattered them to, for instance, the nation of Babylon. Um, so it says, and I will give you the land of Israel. Um, boy, that's a big thing, by the way. You want to talk about Bible prophecy? You want to know that God is God? God scattered the nation of Israel after Jesus was crucified. Um, they were not a nation. They were not a people from about 8070 to 1947, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, God did the thing that he said in Ezekiel right here. I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you've been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And when they come there, they will remove from it all of its detestable things and all its abominations. And I will give them, this is really big for me, I will give them one heart and a new spirit, and I will put, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. Hmm. Man. So what you just did there, as a little side note, is how you know somebody reads their Bible. It's called because the, the word of God is the living, is the living water that comes out of there like a river. Uh, that you have to bring something in to let it flow out is that you haven't read Ezekiel in forever, mm -mm, not uh, for a while, because you've been through the, you went through the whole Bible, so this is early on in your journey. Um, but it comes back to you. That's why we say reading your Bible is important because, that, and that's how also you know the baptism of the Holy Spirit that He brings those things to your the Holy Spirit brings those things to the forefront of your mind yeah. as a hey. There you go. Yeah. Like there's things that, you know, you may not have like read or study on in like a year and it just well, it comes to your brain. This mm -hmm. is a cool tidbit. Thanks, buddy. <sighs> well. You know what time it is? Tool time. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. I'm sorry. Oh. Hit the button. Time to hang it up. Love you guys. No, Thanks. Whoa, whoa, no, whoa, it's not whoa. Wait. Yeah. It's not time to hang it up. What am I thinking? Dina, what time is it? Dina's fun facts, like, what's that repent, all about? I repent of my previous action. No, he doesn't. I do. He's I repent. to cut out my segment. I Hunter repent. tries to cut out the intro before the intro. Why am I here? I just repented. I just repented. <laughs> <laughs> Dina, so, tell us a fun fact. Well, so I told you that, you know, today was the last day with the students. And so I thought it would be really fun to talk about traveling, especially since we have a big holiday as you guys listen to this, will have just happened, Memorial Day. And you a can lot apply of these principles later. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you're planning all of your summer vacations and traveling and, and thinking about all of that. True that. So um, I actually was listening to the news this morning, and they were talking about the huge inflation of travel this year. So travel from just like 2019 to 2023 is up roughly about 31%. So you're saying from 2019 to yes, 2020? Yes, is up 31%. We did have two years of a pandemic there. So, um, but in another article by Forbes said that most people can expect to pay um, between, depending, I guess, on where you go and how many people are in your family, that most people budget between two to $4,000 on just travel alone. Wow. Like, or what you should Budget Plane for tickets are ridiculous right now. They are, yeah. And so um, they interviewed, I guess, for this statistic, like, I don't know, probably like a thousand people-ish or so, um, on what type of trips Americans plan to take in 2023. 
Um, do you guys want to guess yeah. what some of them are? Yeah, trips to the dollar store. <laughs> Inflation. <laughs> <laughs> well, for uh, I mean, romantic getaways are one of the uh, things hey. on there. All right. Oh, oh the, the trip to the dollar store. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you to the dollar store. Let you I'm buy whatever you want. I'm gonna take you something real nice. <laughs> So that's actually way down on the list. Is it? So number one, I'm betting is family vacation. That was vacation. only 23% of people what they said. Wow. What? I'm betting number one is family vacation. It is. Visiting family and friends. Oh, visiting family and friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. so that's different than a family vacation. Yeah, that yeah. is. Um, is. Is there like a beach vacation on there anywhere? It is. That is the third one on the list. Huh, that's not number two. Number two is road trip. So I guess just ah, that makes sense. I taking guess. a road trip, which a lot of people said this year that they're going to travel in their car instead of paying for a plane ticket. Yeah. And, you know, like not only are plane prices going up, but then there's that other aspect of am I going to be left somewhere? Yeah. Southwest has been like, we're just going to cancel all the flights today. What the heck? Well, Frontier's yeah. had a lot of problems here lately, too. I've Have they? I haven't seen, seen anything yeah. Frontier. Everybody's yeah. been having issues. So, oh. And then the fourth one is celebrating a life event, like a birthday or wedding oh. anniversary, that type thing. Gotcha. A camping vacation. Ah, oh, that's not a bad yeah. one. That's an interesting one. Be a way to save money. Outdoor adventure. In other words, surfing, skiing, mountain climbing. Oh, okay. A bucket list trip. Oh, That's yeah. what we did this we year. Yeah. We did that, yeah. <laughs> Slash family vacation. Yeah. Slash visiting family. Slash Hawaii. Woo, woo. Yeah, that was cool. That was <laughs> and cool. that was a beach. Look at that. We checked off a bunch of these we did. <laughs> going on that trip. <laughs> um, a cruise is on there. Mm. Celebrating I'll a holiday. I'll never go back on a boat. I'll never, ever, ever get back on a boat. Really? Do you have a bad did- experience? <sighs> <laughs> I'm still nauseous. <laughs> oh, well, oh, you went, you're talking about deep sea fishing, right? Yeah. Not no. on a cruise, but deep sea fishing. Yeah. That's different. No, it's not. Because I promised God if he got me out of there without vomiting, I would never get back on a boat. <laughs> I will hold true We're to We're pushing that him off on, into the sea. Right. Um, let's see. Visiting or a resort vacation, city vacation, and a sports trip. Those were all of the ones sports on the types trip. of trips that Americans plan to take. Well, well I'm going... On a family vacation, beach vacation, and then I'm going to a pastoral conference, which is a road trip. There you go. So we're doing things on the list. Road trip. We're still trying to get Ben to go to the conference. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. He'll thinking go. Anyway. Well, guys, we appreciate you joining us today. Dina, that was an excellent fun fact. Thank Good you job, for Dina. telling us all It was a lot better that. than your intro before the intro. I, I liked her intro before the intro. I thought that joke was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday school. Anyway. We love you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Ultra Podcast. Uh, we hope we catch you next time when we talk about something that is honoring God. And no, we'll be talking about Colossians 3. Remember oh, yeah, that? we will be talking about Colossians 3, yeah. which also applies to honoring God and the things that he does. Yeah. Yeah. So right. We'll see you guys later. Thank you for listening to the Altered Podcast. Be sure to join us next week for a brand new episode. Also, be sure to join us on the Altered Podcast Facebook page for updates and other cool content. See you next week.